It's time for Money for Lunch, where we feed your brain and your business with supersized portions of business and financial news. Now your host, Bert Martinez. Welcome. Today on the show, we have Jen Donahue. Jen Donahue is a leadership coach, engineer, entrepreneur, and the founder of JL Donahue Engineering. So today's episode is about becoming a great leader. You can do great things, and Jen Donahue is going to walk you through that. When I say you can do great things, you can become a great leader. That's really our subject matter today, becoming a great leader. Not just a manager, uh, not just whatever, a CEO, but what does it take to be a great leader? Even to the next step, what's it take to become a great mentor? And so Jen Donahue is a leadership expert. She's going to walk us through it. I think you're going to want to take some notes. And before I forget, because I forget this all the time, remember to spank the like button, share this episode with as many people as possible. Let's help as many people as possible. And you can do that by first spanking the like button because the algorithm, the magic algorithm appreciates a good spanking. And that's how we start this very, very serious show. Jen Donahue, welcome to the program. Hey, thanks so much for having me. This is going to be a lot of fun. <laughs> it is going to be a lot of fun. And uh, we have, it just so happens that Jen is from Texas and I was uh, raised in Texas. So, so we're going to, we're already off to a great start. I mean, you know, two Texans here, you know, it's just awesome. And uh, anyway, so I, I love your background there, all that snow. It, uh, it looks, it looks awesome. <laughs> It, it is nice. Uh, we're getting a couple more inches of snow this afternoon and into tomorrow. So it's going to be an absolute beautiful winter window end up here. Absolutely. All right. So let, let, let me start off by asking you, uh, between your experience and the research you've done, what does leadership mean to you? For me, leadership is something that's very, very specific. And so I want to start out by asking a lot of your your colleagues that are here online. What I'm gonna ask you is, what leader do you most want to be like? What I'm not asking you is, who do you think makes a great leader? I'm just gonna first ask you, who do you think is somebody that you'd like to be like? Now, I want you to also think about like, what are the characteristics that go into this person that you wanna be like? And so I've done a lot of research about this over the last couple of years, and I've gotten a lot of feedback from folks to say, hey, these are the characteristics of the leader that I would most like to be like. And a lot of them are something that's really gonna surprise you. A lot of times you think it's gonna be like powerful and bold and fearless. And that's not what I'm finding. I'm actually finding that more people are saying that they're charismatic, they're intelligent, they listen to their people, they're empathetic. These are the traits of the leaders that people most want to be like. And so to me, that's sort of a whole reversal of how we think about who a leader is. Like, again, if I said, hey, who makes a great leader? We're going to say, oh, powerful, bold, you know, all of these things. But that's not necessarily the leader that we want to be like, the leaders that we want to follow, which I think is really interesting. And I've asked all kinds of people. I've asked millennials. I've asked boomers. I've asked people in different industries. And I'm getting the same type of answers. So to me, leadership is something that is very specific that maybe we have not really been looking at as far as what really matters to us. 
that's interesting uh, because you're right. I think when most people think of a leader, you know, it's like, ah, you know, powerful person, I'm a leader, you know, here's the army that I lead or the people who follow me, I'm awesome. Uh, so it's so, like, okay, so based on the research that you found, what are the skill sets that make a great leader? What are the, some of the things that you found? So I found that really it's the soft skills that are really the ones that are, that are rising to the top. They're the ones that are listening to their people. They're the ones that are understanding who their personnel are. They have a better understanding of their, not only just their strengths and their weaknesses, but also what their goals and aspirations are. You know, they, they want to help their team. They want to make the team the best that those people can be so that they're great. And so these are some of the skills that I'm finding and, and they've got trust. You know, they're listening. These are the skills that I'm finding that people are looking for in a leader. Yeah, you know, what's amazing about that is uh, you mentioned soft skills. And I think that, I think that, that that term soft skill is, in my opinion, been misused uh, mm -hmm. because what I have seen is that the reason you, let's say, get a job and keep that job and even move up in that job is because of your people skills, some mm -hmm. of the traits that you just mentioned. And so right. it's not because it's, it's not because you are able to, let's say, measure something or uh, we've seen people who maybe aren't the best at what they do, but because they are good mentors, because they are good leaders, because they have these traits, they still move up and people shake their heads and say, you know, I'm better than that person. And, and I hit my numbers all the time. And therefore I should have gotten that promotion, but they forget that these people have you know, whatever it is that, that charismatic, those charismatic traits that draw people to, to them and, and they're just good managers, they're good mentors. And, and so I, you know, when I hear these, that term soft skills, right? Right. And I, and I know it comes from, because it is hard to measure, right. uh, but they're, they're very important. I mean, they are the most important things because whether you're a corporate leader or a domestic leader at home, <laughs> Right. You know, uh, it's so important because we see all the time when there's leadership at home, those children tend to be better children. Uh, they, they're, they have a, a higher self-esteem. Uh, they're more grounded. Uh, they get into less trouble as opposed to when there's a lack of leadership in the home. The kids are, are in trouble. They don't do as well at school. They, they, they have a harder time in social uh, occasions. So man, we got to come up with a better name than soft skills. How about crucial skills? <laughs> I like that. Yes. We'll, we'll start coining that one. <laughs> That's it. Here on the show, crucial skills. All right. Yeah. So let me ask you this. As an engineer, that's your background. How did you get into this leadership space? What, what <laughs> triggered you to come to, you know, to start exploring this? I was an engineer. I went to Texas A&M. And as an ocean engineer, I was looking at all of my colleagues. They were all going down to Houston and they're all getting jobs with the oil and gas industry. And I just felt in my heart, like I've got all this angst. I have got to go out. I've got to go see the world and just going to Houston, that's not going to do it. And so I looked at all the different uniform services and found that the Navy was really like my best fit. 
Wow. And so I went to the Navy and in the Navy, man, leadership starts at day one. You go to officer candidate school and right then it gets started pounding into you. You will be a leader. You are going to lead troops. You are going to lead people. You're going to lead civilians. You will lead people and we will teach you how to do that. And so over my course, while I was on active duty, I mean, this was just kind of just given to me all of this great training about how to be a leader and lead people. After I got off of active duty, I went and joined the civilian workforce. I'm still in the reserves now. But what I found is that there wasn't any real leadership training that was being given to those really junior professionals, you know, those junior engineers, the junior scientists. They weren't given anything. They were, they were working really well on their technical skills and making sure those were up to speed, but no one was giving them any type of leadership lessons. And I felt like, man, that's where you start. Start when they're young so that you can really build your own company. Yeah, it's great to be technically proficient, but what about also being professionally a good leader? Man, that's who you want in your company because as they start to grow and expand and and take on more projects, man, that's who you want. And so that's kind of become a passion for me is really trying to help a lot of these more junior engineers and junior scientists to really start to help mold them to be great leaders whenever they get to middle management and on up. Yeah. You know, and one of the skills that you mentioned was empathy. Mm -hmm. And I think it was like uh, three years ago, I started digging around this phrase, uh, this, this term, this, the skill of empathy. And I have to agree that great leaders are empathetic. In fact, I think that empathy is sorely overlooked, uh, you know, and, and so different from sympathy, empathy right. is, is such an incredible skill set. Um, and, and, and you, when you look at some of the, let's say, uh, famous uh, religious leaders that mm -hmm. somebody might hold in esteem, they were empathetic individuals. Right. And, 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 and so I think that empathy is hard to understand, harder to master, but it's so crucial because when somebody's empathetic towards you, uh, you tend to really hold those people in high esteem. Really, it creates a lot of loyalty. Yes. And, and trust. All of a sudden now you have loyalty and trust and it's like, hey, I work really well with this person. I'm not looking to go jump ship and try another company. You know, I want to work with this person now. They understand me. They, they're trying to help me be a better person. So, you know, I, I did a whole bunch of other research. I'm a big nerd, by the way. I like numbers and statistics. So, you know, I found this, like, there's been a couple of recent studies that said that people who are managed well, those companies have 143% growth rate. I mean, that's, wow. that's just astounding, you know? So if you're able to really sort of manage people well, and I'm not talking about leading versus managing, but just like really take care of your people. You know, people want to stick around and you're going to grow your company as opposed to, you know, people leaving to try to go find the hope of a better job or a better manager somewhere else. Right. And, and interestingly enough, I think there's uh, plenty of research out there that shows that most people, I forgot what the percentage is. It's a high percentage, 80, 90% of people leave their manager or their management, not the mm -hmm. company. Yes, you're, you're absolutely true. It's actually an 
Okay, so, 80 20. Yeah, okay. So, so the funny thing about that is that 80% of managers think that their personnel leave because they want more money. When in actuality, it's actually 80% of people are leaving because they want the hope of a better project. They want autonomy. They want independence. They want a better manager. So while the manager is thinking, oh, they're just leaving because they want more money at another company, it's actually the opposite. They're looking for a better life at another company. Yeah. And, and you know, when, when I think back at my career, the, the, the places that I've stayed at were because of the leadership and the companies that I've left were exactly for the same reason. Money, yes, money is good. And, and we've all been trained to, you know, want more money. Uh, but sometimes it's not, it's, you know, sooner or later you realize money is not the end all be all. Uh, I look at, you know, Charlie, Charlie Sheen, the actor, I guess like five years ago, he had this very public uh, meltdown where, <laughs> you know, he left the company he was working with. He had a, he had a very successful show getting a million dollars, I believe, or $2 million an episode. It's just a huge amount of money. Uh, but he had gotten fed up with the managers, the, the, the showrunners. And of course, he did have a public meltdown, but he basically was very upset at the people who were running the show. And so he quit that show, again, very publicly, and is doing almost the exact same character on a show called Anger Management, almost dressed the exactly the same way. It's almost <laughs> the exact same premise, you know, of a single guy who's a womanizer who drinks too much. And I, I, I think he even took a pay cut uh, because his brother is one of the showrunners. Uh, and so he may get some backing money. But bottom line is he didn't, you know, he didn't leave because the money wasn't good. He left because he didn't get along with management. And I'm not saying management was bad, but for him, for his point of view, management wasn't fulfilling his needs. So he left and he, you're making a million dollars an episode. I know. Let me tell you, management's got to be pretty bad for you to say, you know, I don't, I don't want this, whatever it is, 20, $30 million a year. I gotta, I gotta go. I mean, yeah. that's, that's a lot to walk away from. That's a lot to walk away from, but sooner or later money loses its shine and you, and it's about, as you said, Am I getting, am I being fulfilled in these other areas? Right. And, right. and, and that's just an amazing thing. And it's really hard to wrap your head around that somebody's going to walk away with so much money, walk away from so much money. But we see the same thing with athletes when they're starting their career, the athletes that, that choose management or leadership over money are the ones who tend to be, you know, more successful, have a longer career and, right even have a career outside of the athletic career right. you know, where, where, where they get into, you know, I don't know, other things. Um, uh, what do you call it? Uh, they become, you know, club owners or real estate moguls or whatever. And it's a very small percentage, but, you know, it goes back to having that, that mentorship that I think a lot of us look for, which is one of my questions, because you talk about not only being a great leader, but also being a great mentor. So what's the difference between a mentor and a leader? To me, a mentor is something that's completely different than leading. So when I'm thinking about leading a group, you know, we have an objective. We have something that we need to do. And my job as the leader is to make sure that my team has the resources that they need, that they're being fulfilled and they're being the best they can to get there. The mentor on the other side is something that's, I hate to say it, it's a little bit softer than that. 
So there's more of a one-on-one -on -one type of relationship that you have with somebody. And it doesn't necessarily have to be exclusive. This one, you know, a mentee can have several different mentors, but this is really where you have a very deep personal relationship with somebody, somebody who knows and understands you, understands, you know, the, the pitfalls that you might go into and where you want to be in life, you know, and, and how to get there. And I often encourage people if, if they're wanting to be mentored to have several different mentors, if they're a mentee, want to be, sorry. So think of like a board of directors, you know, you want to have somebody who's really good at finance or maybe somebody who's very technical and maybe somebody who's really good at leadership. And it's okay to have all these different type of mentors, but as a mentor to a mentee, I am giving my time. I am sacrificing my time. I am sharing several of the, you know, the pitfalls that I've had and the failures that I've had with that person to help them avoid those to try to be a better person. So to me, being a mentor is somebody who is, that's a lot more personal than just leading a group. Yeah, and I like that distinction there. And I like the fact that you point out that, hey, as a mentee, you can have a mentor in finances, a mentor in leadership, uh, you know, mentor in relationships, whatever you need a mentor for. And, and I think that uh, nowadays, you know, there's a lot of ways to get those mentors. I mean, for me, I, I like books, I like audio books. And, 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 you know, I think YouTube has a great, uh, a lot of, uh, what do you call it? Uh, not necessarily a, a real personal relationship with the mentor, but certainly a lot of places where you can get ideas with TED Talks and stuff like that. But let me ask you this. When you're thinking, hey, I need a mentor, or maybe somebody says, hey, Jen, this idea of getting a mentor is great, but how do I find a mentor? A any advice on getting that mentor? I would first think about what you want to get out of the mentor-mentee type of relationship. Uh, so for me, one of the, just recently, I really wanted to get more on the technical side of what I was doing in my engineering career. And I looked around to see who I had around me. And basically, I just went up and asked. And that's kind of the best way to find a mentor. Find somebody who you know, is a master what they do and see if they would be willing to mentor you. It's really just about going out and asking. Um, maybe on the internet, maybe you find somebody who is really where you want to be, then, you know, just go out and ask, you know, what's the worst that they could say? No, um, a lot of people aren't able to mentor because they don't have the time. And that's something that you really have to have time for is to be dedicated to that one person, but just go out and ask. Yeah. At another company that I was with, I went out and asked the president of the company of all people, you know, to be my mentor. And he was absolutely floored and he said yes. And I learned so much from him because I just asked. Right. And you would be really surprised. People want to help people. They really do. So just go out and ask. You remind me of there's a video out there of Steve Jobs. And He's a young man, uh, and if I'm not mistaken, he is sporting glasses and a beard and, and a lot of hair. <laughs> <laughs> young, but he's, he's, you know, he's a young guy, and 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 he said, and he talks about asking for help, and he and he says more or less the same thing that you just said. He says, you know, I just went out and asked for help, and he says most people don't succeed because they're not willing to ask for help. Right. And he said he called up. At that time, it was the CEO of, of uh, Hewlett Packard, 
and asked for help and he got it. And he was just a kid. I mean, he had, he, he wasn't Steve Jobs, the CEO of Apple, or he wasn't well known. He was a, a teenager and he asked for help and, and just, they said, yeah, we'll help you. And, and it's that simple. And you're right. You may, you may get a few no's, but I think the, you know, the, depending on that situation, I think most people, when you're sincerely asking for help and there's not some kind of, I don't know, uh, alterity or alterity or right. there's not some other kind of motive. Yeah. <laughs> right. You know, I, I think most people would try to help you if they can. Uh, and it's such a huge blessing to be able to find a mentor who's willing to give you some time. And, and, and in some cases, you know, it, it's, it's not that, uh, what do you call it? That maybe the the informational gap may not be so much. It may not be that big, but in a lot of cases, the mentors that I've had, the number one thing they've helped me with is the mindset. Right. Uh, you know, when, when somebody has achieved a certain whatever, a certain level of success that maybe you're trying to emulate, a lot of times it's the way they think and the way they handle certain things that opens you up to you know more success. Um, one of my greatest mentors, and, and I had talked to him about this, but, you know, I, I've written a couple of articles about mentoring and I, and I interviewed him about this and his whole idea was, I want to help people think. I want to help people work through problems. He's like, you know, we start off with small problems and I help you work through them. And so that you are able to take on even larger, more complex problems by yourself. And that's his way that he helped mentor people. And I was like, and I start thinking back on it. I'm like, yeah, that's exactly what he did is he would challenge me with some of these, you know, kind of small, easier problems so that I could get through working through it like he would work through it. And then he would just keep throwing bigger and more challenging, you know, questions and problems at me. And I was like, that's how you do it. That's how you think through some of these really tough problems. So it was absolutely fascinating. I mean, I really wish I had had a mentor when I was younger. I mean, I was a wild little thing, man. I was going all over the place. And I was like, I could do it on my own. I don't need a mentor. I don't even know what a mentor is, you know, so. <laughs> I don't need any help. <laughs> I, could, I could take on the world by myself, but you know, and it's like, wow, man, if I would have had a mentor when I was younger, I would have, <laughs> I would have avoided so many pitfalls. And I was like, wow. Man, I had some pretty colossal failures along yeah. the way. I mean, I learned from them, but oh, it would have been really nice to have a mentor to kind of bounce things off of whenever I was a bit younger. Absolutely. And I think, what's the old adage, you know, when the student is ready, the teacher will appear. I look back at all my colossal mistakes. I'm thinking back then, the way I was, you know, uh, very proud and kind of like you're talking about, hey, I can, I can do it all on my own. I can take on the world even though I have no skills and I have no idea what I'm doing, <laughs> you know, you know, it's just amazing how, uh, for lack of better terms, how prideful we can be that to think that, yeah, I can do that. Uh, but I, it, it's so, so it would have been great to have a mentor and even more importantly, it would have been great to have the, the, uh, what do you call it? The emotional skills <laughs> to uh, be able to listen to a mentor because right. nothing worse than somebody giving you some good hard earned advice and, eh, you know, that's not me. I'm not going to do that. <laughs> right. Right. Exactly. <laughs> you have to, uh, you really have to be ready. All right. So I, 
I have to ask you this because again, you you spent like 25 years in the Navy. Yes. So first of all, thank you for serving us. Thank you. Um, thank you. And and you've seen uh, in the Navy. Uh, I'm sure you've seen both good and bad leadership and, yeah. and all sorts of uh, people with their different hangups. But I want to talk about, um, and, I, and I want to tread lightly here because I don't want to politicize this, but Donald Trump, President Donald Trump, to me, he has to be an interesting individual to study because obviously he does attract a lot of people more than I, I think that most of us are shocked at the level of attraction that he has. And not that I'm by any means perfect, but when I think of a good leader, I would say that the way President Trump handled most things would not come up to what I would consider a leadership mentality, especially not a good leadership mentality. But again, a lot of people would probably disagree with me and think, hey, Bert, you're a big jerk. And and whatever, because, you know, President Donald Trump is pure awesome. And I just don't get it because, you know, you, there's just a lot of stuff that he said and he did that where you're going, you know, I don't think a leader would do that. So, right. again, not be, not want to become political about it. But what was your take watching President Donald Trump? Did you see some good leadership as well as some bad leadership? Talk about this. So one of the things that as a still as a member of the military, I'm really not allowed to talk about my boss's 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 boss. <laughs> um, it, it's just one of those, those items. Um, I, yeah. I will say that I, I can say that I think there are some things that he did really well. And I think there are some things that he did not do well. Um, what I find really interesting is, though, like you said, is that to some, he was a very almost like polarizing leader. He was yes. able to bring a lot of people in under him. Um, and so I think it's interesting to almost study that aspect of it because there, there is a leadership style in there that has appealed to a large group of people. You know, whether, whether we like that or not, if we look at it on a pure um, scale of, yeah. of education, I think there's something to really be learned in there is that there is something that he was doing that is really gathered a following. And, you know, whether, you know, we, we think he did well or whether we think he, you know, did poorly, I think there's something in there we're studying, you know, as far as whatever that piece of that leadership that he used in order to create such a massive, like, you know, following that is just like, I will follow you to the ends of the earth. I mean, to me, yeah. that's very interesting. Absolutely. And I agree with you. Uh, and I think, again, you, you hit the nail on the head. There's a lot that he did good, a lot that he could have done better. Uh, and, and, and in some cases, it was like in the same, <laughs> within the same hour. <laughs> and I think one of the things that I did appreciate about his leadership skill is that he was very, very, very confident. I mean, right. he, you know, he might have said something that was totally incorrect. But the delivery right. was so confident that you almost had to go, wait a minute, he might be right. <laughs> two plus two might equal six. And then, of course, you know, no, it doesn't. But, you know, his, and, and I think that is part of a good leader is when you say, hey, this is the mission. Here's what we're going to do. And here's how we're going to do it. That kind of delivery 
does inspire the troops, does inspire followers to go, yeah, this guy knows what he's talking about, or this girl knows what she's talking about. And, 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 and so that is important because there are some leaders that are, that don't have that delivery, that level of confidence. And, right. and I think it does hurt their leadership skills. So that's one of the things I, I will give uh, President Trump props about is that whatever he said, he said with such authority, such uh, confidence that that's why it was so persuasive. Exactly. I mean, really, if just as your example, if I would have said two plus two, it might, it might equal six. You know, are you going to follow me? No. But if I say two plus two equals six, right, got it. You know, so it is. Um, and actually, as part of a leader, that's one of the things that I always tell people is like, if you're going to deliver anything, stand up. You know, that just automatically gives you more confidence. And, you know, you speak to people and you speak to people, you know, just very directly. Um, I do believe that there's, you know, a bit of a, a range that you can speak to people in. Um, just as a, as a quick story, I know that you can speak very directly to some people as a leader, look them in the eye and say, this is what I need and this is when I need it done. And they'll be like, Roger, got it and go get it done. If I say the same thing in the same way to some people, I'm going to send them to the bathroom crying. So it's one of those things that, you know, even as a leader, you have to realize who your audience is and who you're talking to. That, that actually happened about like three months ago to another officer. And I'm like, you can't do that. Like <laughs> you can't speak the same way to every single person. So you, you just have to know who you had to be able to read those signs, you know, and the people that you're leading and realize, Hey, I can't really, you know, I don't want to send somebody crying to the bathroom, but I also know this for some people, you have to just be absolutely direct in order to get through to them. So there is a spectrum of leadership there that I think everybody has to start to look at adapting and feel comfortable with. Absolutely. And, and you bring up a very valid point. Yeah, that again, in a family dynamic, there are some kids that you can mm -hmm. say, hey, I need this, I need it now. And you take that same tone with one of your other kids and you've just devastated their whole <laughs> self-esteem for that day, right? And, and so, okay, so Jen, I wanna be a good leader. How do I start? Where, you know, where do I start as far as developing my leadership? So the first thing I would say is know who you are as a leader. Really understanding yourself is the very first step. And I know that sounds like really selfish, but take the time to figure that out. Um, I had the wrong idea at the very beginning of whatever I was an officer. I thought I had to be that big, bold, powerful, yell at my people type of person. And it felt really awful. Like I, I probably hurt some people's feelings that I didn't need to like send people, you know, crying to the bathroom, you know, with a style that wasn't me. Right. Um, I would recommend that most people go out and do a Clifton Strengths. They do a Myers-Briggs. And I know that sounds really hokey to do some of these, you know, online quizzes, but there's actually a lot of science that backs it up that says, hey, you know what? This is something that you need to be aware of with this type of personality. Uh, I've learned a lot from that. I, I've learned that whenever I'm really stressed out, I have a tendency to not delegate well. It actually said that in the Clifton Strengths. And I'm like, oh my God, that's me. You know, And so it's one of those things where you start to learn a little bit more about yourself. Think about doing a 360 assessment. You know, ask your bosses, you know, what type of leadership they see in you. Ask your colleagues and then even ask your direct reports. Hey, what can I do better? How do you see me portrayed as a leader? And now you start to learn who you are and you can start to feel a little bit better about, hey, this is my little sphere that I feel comfortable with. 
Now, once you feel comfortable with who you are as a leader and you're effective that way, now you can go out to a broader audience. This is to your direct reports and you need to start understanding who they are. Like I said, not just knowing their name, not just knowing what their strengths and weaknesses are, but really get down to it. Do you know who their family is? Do you know their kids' names? And more importantly, do you know what their goals and their aspirations are? What do they want to be? Do they want to be president of the company someday? Or are they just happy with where they are? Know your people and then start to build the trust with them. Ask questions, build the trust within your team and just take those three steps and man, you are off to being a great leader. Yeah, I, I find what you said there about knowing yourself first uh, to definitely, uh, what do you call it, be intriguing there. I think that is a great place to start. And, and, and I like your example too, that you thought, okay, well, this is, you know, a leadership is this person, therefore I'm going to be like that. And, and it didn't feel authentic to you. And I think that's so important because there are some people who are, again, it's just their personality to be more direct and less, and less soft-spoken doesn't make them a better leader. It might make them a louder leader, but not necessarily a better leader as opposed to somebody who maybe is a little bit less direct and, and, and not as, uh, what do you call it, direct. Uh, but I love that idea. That's, a, you know, again, that's to me a, a nice little nugget there, a little writer downer that know yourself first, right? Because that's really where all our strength comes from, right? And once we know ourselves, then we can expand from there and, and help other people. But man, when you don't know yourself, yeah, you start emulating other people and that's just not going to be good. It no. won't be effective long-term. People will see through that immediately. Yes. They, and at that point, you've lost all credibility if you're trying to be somebody that, that you're not, because you're not going to feel comfortable with it. It's not going to come across as confident and you're just going to waver and people are going to see right through there. And, and that's just not effective at all. Yeah. No, Nobody I, wants I, to follow a faker. That's right. That's right. <laughs> well, it, it, but I just love that. Start there and find out, you know, again, who you are. Uh, and and the, the great thing about it is, too, uh, one of the things that I've learned over time is that a leader is not necessarily, it, it's not a title that is awarded. It, it certainly it can be, but I think that if, I think anybody is a leader, right? We're all leaders. Right to some extent, uh, you know, again, if you're a, a mother, a father, you're a leader. If you're an older sibling, you're a leader to your uh, younger siblings, right? right. Uh, so, so everybody really has the opportunity to step up and be a leader depending on who they are and what they're trying to do and, and, and things of that nature. So uh, this idea of a leadership really is uh, for all of us. Right, I believe everybody can be a great leader. They just have to find what's comfortable with them. And you know what? There are times when we need, you know, the general Mattises out there who are very direct and we're going to go take that hill and we're going to go do this. There are times and places for leaders like that. There's times and places for the people who are like, hey, you know what? I just need to gather my flock around and we're going to, you know, do what we need to do. There's all types of different leaders. And so just trying to pigeonhole yourself into saying, well, I need to be like a general Mattis or I need to be, you know, someone who's, who's like always soft and squishy, you know, there's, there's this whole range that, that you can fit into and still be a great leader. Absolutely. All right. So putting you on the spot here a little bit, who are some of the great leaders that you admire? 
So I will say I still love General Mattis. I love the way that he is able to relate to the troops. I, I think he's absolutely fantastic on the military side. On the civilian side, the president of the company that I just used to work for, uh, his name is Rudy Bonaparte. I think he's one of the best leaders that you could ever imagine. He was so personable. So he had a company of 1200 people and he made it his goal to meet every single person in the company and know who they were. He had little note cards that he took on every single person so that he could write it down so that he wouldn't forget, you know, the conversations and what their family was and their projects and things like that. Because his idea was that if you're coming to work for my company, I owe it to you. We're a family. I want to know and get to know each one of you. I mean, wow. Is that a leader that you would want to follow? Yes. I mean, it was like, whenever I called him, decided I decided to start my own company and I had to call him and tell him, like, Rudy, I'm, I, I'm leaving the company. I'm starting my own. I was crying. I mean, like I was literally crying because I felt like I let him down. I mean, wow, that's, you know, that's the kind of leader that I think all of us should try to aspire to is that people want to work for you. People want to be with you. I think that's, that's really important. So I've had other inside, but those are the two that really stick out to me. Yeah. Yeah. And, and uh, hats off to uh, Rudy, 1200 people. Yeah. And, and, to and, he, to and he had a note card for everybody. Yeah, no, that, that's impressive. The, you know, there's tons of research about how we all love to be remembered. We want people to know our names and, and, and we are attracted to, people who know our names and, and you know, hey, Jen, hey, Bert, you know, it's, that's awesome. Uh, and interestingly enough, <laughs> in the movie Ocean's Eleven, one of the things that, uh, you know, as they're, as they're picking their mark, uh, you know, I can't remember, the, the actor played the uh, Andy Garcia, he, he plays the casino owner who they're going to take down or rip yeah. off. And right. one of the things that Matt Damon is reporting is that he knows everybody in the casino by their name and he knows their family. And sure enough, they have a clip of him coming out of the car and saying, Hey, how, you know, how are, you know, how are you and the kids and, you know, blah, blah, blah. And, and, and so he's a likable guy. And obviously somebody who's going to take the time to know everybody in the casino or the 1200 employees they have or whatever, as you said, you want to follow that guy, you want to work for him. And obviously, mm -hmm. You know, here you are, a veteran of 25 years, and you're bawling. <laughs> so you had a really good relationship with them. I did. I did. And everybody that worked for the company felt the same way. And Rudy stepped down at one point, and, and we had another, you know, president of the company, and he wasn't the same as Rudy, and you could tell. And the whole culture of the company seemed to change, and people started to leave the company. I mean, that's how powerful Rudy was. Yeah, and, and, and interesting enough, since you brought that up, so the culture comes from mm -hmm. the top down, right? And, and no matter what, uh, you cannot overcome that culture. Right. And, and so if you have a culture where people feel safe and, and they can, you know, they're invited to uh, try different things and, and it's okay to fail, so that culture will permeate and, and, you know, that's probably a better place to work than going at a place that everybody uh, doesn't trust everybody and they're, and right. you're afraid to make an opinion and all that other stuff. 
and, and it's just a terrible tense place to work. Uh, you know, Zappos, uh, who was later on bought by uh, uh, Amazon, oh, you know, okay. uh, Zappos is a shoe company. They didn't sell the cheapest shoes, but they're, they're, it, was, it was hailed as a great place to work. Customers who, who were, uh, what do you call it, customers of Zappos raved about Zappos. And, it, it, and you know, um, oh my gosh, Tony, uh, Tony Shesh uh, built this, this culture where, it, you know, they really emphasize, uh, you know, uh, what do you call it, making it personal, making it fun, and really making it customer centric. And, and, and their, their employees ha were empowered to take care of that customer on the spot and not necessarily transfer them to somebody else. What a great experience. What, you know, and, and sure enough, they were bought by, what do you call it, by Amazon for a couple of billion dollars, wow. you know, simply because of the leadership. Right. It, right. It, it really comes down to it. I mean, the greatest leaders, just like you said, what they do is they empower everybody underneath them with the authority and the responsibility to do what they need to do. You know, you, it's, it's the same way in the military. You basically push it down the chain of command to the lowest person and say, this is your responsibility. This is your authority to do this job. You know, as, as leader, you can't do all the jobs. You have to have faith. You have to trust everybody in your organization and, and you push that down to them. And all of a sudden now they're like, hey, man, this is my responsibility. I, I want to have this, this job. I, I want to have this authority to do what I need to do as opposed to always having to go in and ask the boss, hey, can I do this? No, it's already set out. This is your responsibility. This is your authority to do what you need to do. Those are, yeah, those are some of the best companies that are out there. They're thriving because people, again, want to work for them. Yes. No, absolutely. Uh Jen, we're almost out of time, but if somebody wanted to reach out to you um, and either hire you for a speaking engagement or consulting, where's the best website to go? So I have a website. It's www.jenjenndonahue.com. Um, I can also be found on LinkedIn at Jen Donahue. I can be found on Twitter at Jen Donahue. Are you seeing a pattern here? You know, I'm also on Instagram at I am Jen Donahue. So, <laughs> so I'm trying to make it really easy for folks. So just put two ends in the Jen and, and you can find me. I love it. I love it. And I'll put all those links in the show notes as well, guys. So just a click away and you can connect with Jen. Uh, Jen Donahue, thank you so much for stopping by and, and helping us become better leaders. I look forward to catching up with you again. I know. I'm really looking forward to it. This has been so much fun. Thank you for your time today. Uh, all my best. Talk to you later. Okay, thanks. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the chumba life. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.